stolen away. And cleared out to center ice to Pumminville. Pumminville into Ottawa territory. Pumminville goes around Albertson. Cuts in front. Scores! Jason Pumminville! Short-handed! Oh, now do you believe? Now do you believe? These guys are good! Scary good! The Sportscasters are back for episode 13. Today is March 29th, 2011. The Sportscasters in Buffalo, New York. My co-host Don Russ is back after a short bout from scurvy last week. How are you feeling, Don? <laughs> uh, almost all the way back. Almost all the way back, but he's playing a little hurt today. Ready to be back on the Sportscasters. We have a great show today. Actually, we're doing something a little different, and I should explain our plan for the future. We are going to preview the baseball season in segments using bonus shows. And what we're going to do today is episode 13. We're going to do three things, like always. Then we're going to take a break. We're going to talk to Zach Rosenfield from AccuScore.com, update our brackets, talk a little bit about the NCAA tournament. And to help us do all that is going to be a new face on the show called The Ed. Yeah. So if you've never heard The Ed before, just wait. It is something to behold. After that, we're going to do a quick book club update. A lot's going on with the book club. We'll talk about that when we get there. Finally, we're going to have Sweeney Murti from WFAN kind of talk a little bit about the Yankee season and preview our bonus show, which we will record after this one. Uh, And then, of course, we'll end with pick four. The bonus baseball show this week is going to focus on the Yankees, and we have two guests that are Yankee-centric. We have the ADHD-laden Travis Goldman is going to be on from pinstripealley.com to talk about the Yankees, and Alex Belf, one of the most interesting guys I've ever spoken to, will be on as well. So that's a bonus show which will be posted separately. So this week you have two of us again, just like last week. We have the regular show, episode 13 which you're listening to right now, and then we have baseball bonus show number one, which is about the Yankees. Going forward, we plan to do a episode next week that will be all about the Red Sox. After that, we're going to do an AL-only podcast and then an NL-only podcast, and then we will probably be uh, in, wrapped up in NHL playoffs and NBA playoffs so that we won't have time for anything else. But we'll definitely get to a couple teams, the, the Yankees and the Red Sox, Maybe even a third team, maybe the Cubs or someone in the National League. We still haven't decided, but we will definitely do a big uh, bonus show on the AL and on the NL as well. So let's not waste any more time and get started with three things. Let's play a game. All right. Count of three. One. All righty. I'll take it off. Two. The oil patterns on a PBA lane are very, very difficult. I might be able to beat Jamarcus Russell at quarterback. <laughs> this is the funnest night ever! <laughs> Did we just become best friends? Yep! Now let's move on to other business. My first of three things. Uh, I'm not sure there's anybody more embarrassing than Jose Canseco in baseball. <laughs> <laughs> He was a uh, once great and revered player, and now uh, he can't stop doing stupid things. 
He had a twin brother, Ozzy, switch places for him in a celebrity boxing match at the Hard Rock nightclub in Hollywood, Florida. Uh, then afterward, he tweeted, Be very careful with Damon Feldman, who runs celebrity boxing. He will not pay you if you fight for him. He was never there. He sent his <laughs> brother, and he was tweeting, complaining about it. He's been known to also send his brother to autograph signings. And uh, then he tweeted recently. Ozzy. His brother's his brother Ozzy, Ozzy, right? Correct, yeah. yeah. He tweeted recently, just remember the media is right, spelled incorrectly, W-R-I-T-E, 20% of 50% of the time. Huh? Yeah. It's kind of like the uh, the Sex Panther from Anchorman. <laughs> 20% of 50%, 50 of, of the, the time. time. Okay. I don't know what that percentage he would be. He also do, played a gay man in an episode of The Celebrity Apprentice, which is currently airing uh, for a commercial that they did. He it, played a gay He's He not played a, a gay man named Pablo in a commercial that they did. Interesting. But uh, I heard that he got found out in the boxing thing because he has specific tattoos on right, his, him and his brother that both his brother do. don't have or something. Right. And... Uh, it was also raising red flags because apparently Ozzy just kept asking for cash only before the match <laughs> because he didn't want it to be found out afterward and have the guy cancel the check, apparently. So, yeah, Jose Cansego, class act. All right, my first thing. The final four this weekend will feature four teams with the second most combined losses ever at a final four with 37. VCU had 11, UConn had nine, Butler had nine, and K- Kentucky had eight. Only the 2000 Final Four had more teams uh, with combined losses higher, which had Wisconsin with 13, North Carolina with 13, Florida with 8, and Michigan State with 7. The least amount of wins or losses ever in a Final Four was 2008 when Kansas had 3, UCLA had 3, North Carolina had 2, and Memphis had 1 for only 9 losses. Wow. So this... This is the first time that the Final Four will be played with zero number one and zero number two seats. So I just want to say all that before everyone starts making fun of us for only scoring 44 points in our bracket challenge against Zach. (laughs) It was really hard to pick the tournament this year because all these loser teams are in the Final Four. And it's interesting. uh, I tweeted about it. If for anyone that follows me, Dave Damashek mentioned earlier on our podcast that don't be confused because this is a more entertaining uh, system, that it's a better system than the BCS. The BCS, if anything, there's usually maybe one team you can argue that is better. You could probably argue that there are 10 teams better than the four teams that are going to win, or more than that. So it depends on what you like in your sports. Do you want want to find a true number one, or do you want the most entertaining and maybe fair way. One interesting thing, when, when Zach filled out his bracket and we filled out our bracket, neither of us even picked VCU to beat USC in the first round. Right. And here they are all the way to the Final Four. So just a strange year. Yep. Uh, my second thing, which is unlike me, but I went with baseball again, but if there's anybody more embarrassing maybe than Jose Canseco in baseball, it might be Barry Bonds. mm his ex-girlfriend, Kimberly Bell, recently took the stand to talk about his testicles and how he, they're shrunk. He changed, quote, he changed sexually in his testicles and performance in that. The shape, size of his testicles were smaller, unusual, differently shaped. So not only... Does, is he going to have a giant asterisk nest to his name in record books? 
He has unusually shaped tiny testicles and apparently some rage issues because of it. She said, quote, Bonds threatened to cut my head off and leave me in a ditch. And, quote, he would cut out my breast implants because he paid for them. <laughs> so What a dick. Yeah, he's kind of going. He sounds a little bit like like Charlie Sheen or he, he's a bust. Mel Gibson. Yeah. Him so, and his giant head and little balls can go away forever as far as I'm concerned. Yep. He's probably, relative to greatness, the most unlikable athlete in the history of sports. If you had some kind of greatness to unlikability ratio, I <laughs> like, think he would easily uh, win that. Because he, we got to be honest, he was a Hall of Famer long before steroids. Right. And it was stupid of him to get caught up in ego and all of that and start steroids because he easily, you know, he supposedly started due to jealousy over the attention that Mark McGuire and Sammy, Sammy Sosa, Sosa got yeah. in their home run chase in 1998. If he could have just avoided that ego trip i mean he could have been the maybe the greatest player of all time without ever taking a steroid what are they going to do with that entire time period as far as baseball goes yeah it's really it's really sketchy i mean are you really just kind of not going to allow anyone into the hall of fame for like 20 years it's not like it's not like uh the ncaa where they're going to return make them return championships or anything because bonds is a known cheater or mcguire was a cheater or so so i mean so some McGuire never won. I anything, think it's but. really going to be a case by case basis. That the, it's just going to be interesting to see how the voters vote, and I think it's unfortunate maybe, but the voters always have had a little bit of prejudice in terms of players that have dealt with the media better than others. For example, Reggie Jackson, someone who's a little bit more grim for the media, it took him a little bit more time to get in than someone who's maybe more friendly with the media. And someone like Barry Bonds, I think, has just sunk because not only is he hated by everybody... But he's a known cheater. And he's a known cheater. So I think someone like him is very hurt. But then a more borderline Hall of Famer like Andy Pettit, I think he might have a chance because, A, he came out and he apologized, and he's more well-liked. If Andy Pettit doesn't make it, I think it will be because he just wasn't good enough. If Barry Bonds doesn't make it, it's just going to be because no one liked him and people thought he was a cheater. I mean, that'll be the bar that was petted because he was a likable character, but he did admit to cheating too. So, I mean, if he can't yep. get in, then someone like Bonds doesn't stand a chance probably. Right. My second thing, I love instant replay. I think all sports should use it. I've defended it. I've, it, I've hoped that it would be expanded in its use. I love the new rule that the NFL passed. But the way it was used in the Nebraska-Omaha versus Michigan uh, college hockey game was a disaster. So Michigan and Nebraska-Omaha. Nebraska-Omaha is the 12th seed. Michigan's the 5th seed. Nebraska-Omaha gets off to a 2-0 lead. Michigan ties it at 2. They go to overtime. About a minute and a half or two minutes into the overtime, the play's in the Nebraska-Omaha end, and someone kind of wraps around and jams at the puck, and it gets kicked out and then cleared by a defenseman. The play goes on for a few seconds, and then when there's no chance of any, when a Michigan player is just kind of standing with the puck, they blow the whistle, and the refs go to review the review what may or may not have been a goal. Now, in college hockey, there's no Toronto hub or anything like that. The refs actually get into the score tables box and view on a little HD monitor the replays that are available. They spent over ten minutes looking at various replays, as did all of the people watching at home. Right. Now, it's against the rules in the NCAA for them to show any replays in the arena. So everyone in the arena, including the players, were just waiting around, just wondering, not being able to see a replay. Interesting. After all of that, they decided to call it a goal and award Michigan the win. Now, I... Look at 
it was one of those plays where common sense says, yes, the puck was probably in. Right. But there was absolutely not 100% disputable visual evidence that this puck was in the net. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Do you know that they go to the same rule? Like, I know... That is the rule. There was no call on the ice either. So I'm assuming by not making a call it, yes, of it, a goal, it no was goal. a call of no goal. Right. So to overturn it, it's the same rule. It should have undisputable, unquestionable evidence. The ref did actually wave his arms behind during the, the play? net. Okay. During the play. The ruling on the play was no goal. Yeah, I have seen the replay. That is, I've, that's bizarre. It's I just bizarre can't play. see where, it, it makes sense. It was probably under his left pad in the net, but I can't see it. And I don't see how you can change the call from a guy who's standing directly behind the net, although he, he, he changed it himself, I don't know. Right, it right. It's frustrating, and I just didn't agree with it. I remember a call in a Sabres-Penguins game. This is going back probably five, six years, where the Sabres shot a puck that looked like it was clear. I mean, the goalie made a great save, but it looked like he made the save in the net. But because of his glove hiding where the puck was, I mean, you can't see through his glove, so they called it no goal. And I mean, it was it was a great save. The goalie probably deserved to get credit for it, but... Yeah, that's it's a weird call when you can't make that evidence because it's not supposed to be a common sense thing. It's supposed to be an evidence thing. My third thing, my first two were kind of about jokes, but uh, my last one is about maybe the class, one of the classiest players ever to play a sport, and that's Tamo Solani. Uh, he scored a hat trick last night against Colorado. Penalty shot. A penalty shot, and he added two assists. There's a lot of firsts there. He's the only... He's the oldest player to score a penalty shot. He is the only player over 40 to ever score, to have a hat trick with five points. That's kind of a weird stat. But uh, he's eighth in scoring right now in the league, and he missed nine games. He's got 75 points through 67 games. He's better than a point. He's a plus player. He's one of only four 40-plus players to ever score 68 points, and two of those were Gordie Howe. and this is a guy that looked like he was going to retire in 07. Like, after they won the Cup, like, I, I would have put money that he was going to retire. He just looked like, a, I mean, he, he was really emotional. And, I mean, he may have aged better than any skater I've ever seen, with the possible exception being Nick Lidstrom. Yeah, he skates. He still skates great. He's a great player, and he's a really likable guy. I was 13 years old his rookie year when he scored 76, 76. goals to tie Alexander Mogilny, and here I am, 31 years old. The guy is still putting up huge numbers. Uh, he's a great player, and I've never heard anyone say a bad word about him. He's always in the, dis- the discussion for the Lady Bing Award. Just a really, really class act. And it's interesting you mentioned him because my third thing is about another Anaheim Mighty Duck, and that's Corey Perry. And yeah. Corey Perry is a legitimate Hart Trophy no kidding. candidate. He's carrying the Ducks on his back into a playoff spot. He has 17 points in the last nine games, and the Ducks are 7-2 and two in that span. That doesn't count last night's game. But he's on quite a run, and even though his last name isn't Sedin, I think he definitely deserves consideration to be the MVP this year. And if you look at the bottom of the Western Conference standings, we've talked about it a few times. It's a logjam. It's a logjam. But I think with the way Corey Perry's playing, the way Timo Solani's playing, that the Ducks... I would say right now will definitely be one of the teams that will make it in, and I could see them even winning a round or two or three. Yeah, that's something I was going to add about when I was mentioning Solani is he, they're not these aren't charity goals he's getting. These aren't this isn't a team that's in dead last and he's just getting every opportunity. This is a team that's 
make going to make the playoffs. It looks like now because of the good play by Perry and Solani, like you said. And Getzlaff is supposed to be the big dog there, but you know Perry and Solani have outplayed him this season. Uh, I think Getzlaff's been a little bit banged up over the course of the year, but yeah, the Ducks are a team to be to be scared of. I think during the during the season this year, the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So that's it for three things. This is how it's going to go from here. We will take a break. We'll come back with Zach Rosenfield. About midway through that, we're going to add the ad. After that, we're going to come back. We'll do a book club update. I have an announcement about next month's book of the month. Also, after that, we're going to talk with Sweeney Murdy and then finish with pick four. Uh, just a couple of business-type things. Don't forget to find us on the web, uh, www.sports-casters.com. Also, head over to our Facebook page and let us know about the new logos that we posted. Let us know what you like. My good friend, Chris Smith, uh, from high school, was nice enough to put those logos together for us. And I wanted to give him a plug. Uh, Chris is a really nice dude, and he works for a mechanical, a McAnimal company. And you can find them at www.mcanimal.com, M-E-C-H-A-N-I-M-A-L.com. Uh, with over 40 years of experience between him and his partner, they specialize in robotics, dinosaurs, 3D, graphic, web, exhibit design, museum studies, and everything else in between. You can also view Chris's artwork at www.burzum.devientart.com. So definitely give Chris a look. He was very nice enough to put those logos together with for us, and I wanted to thank him. Another person we have to thank is Eric Hawk and the Buffalo Wings. They've been very generous to include us in their newsletter that they send out electronically to all of their members. They are currently accepting registration at the former Amherst Pepsi Center for the summer season. I believe they're already sold out at the Copper Division, but maybe planning another. Youth hockey, they have learned to skate programs that are free. So definitely check out the Buffalo Wings. Their website is buffalowings.net or buffalowingshockey.com, right? That sounds right, yeah. Yeah, so you can find them on the web. Also, don't forget to check us out on Twitter. That is twitter.com slash sports underscore casters or at sports underscore casters. And you can email us. And make sure you write down the email because we do have some stuff to give away involving the next couple episodes of the book club so email us at the sportscasters at gmail.com and we'll be right back with zacky score all right that music Usually means only one thing, but we have a little bit of a curveball today, as Zach from AccuScore is not able to join us. Uh, we had a little bit of a technical difficulty yesterday, and we couldn't hook up today, but Zach will be back next week for his normal spot. But filling in for Zach today is a very able and excitable fellow. He has his own podcast that appears on the blog Talk Network every Thursday at 10.30, He's working on an app that will be in the iTunes 
store very shortly, and he is famous for his super deluxe games. He is none other than the Ed out in Las Vegas, Nevada. How you doing today, Ed? I'm all right. I don't know why he's saying I'm actually scores backup. That guy ain't no good. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not his backup. You're just uh, you're hitting a home run for him today. Uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about this app, Ed? What's going to be on your app? Well, the first app that they, they're making for me is pickup lines that I'm telling you to tell women, you know, when you want to be with them. Oh, okay. What's an example of a good pickup line if I want to try to score a lady tonight? Uh, you could probably tell a girl that uh, if she want to be with me, she better learn how to cook because uh, I ain't eating out every night. <laughs> okay, that's a pickup line? So I go yeah. up to her and I say, hey, baby, my name's Steve, and if you want to be with me, you better know how to cook because I ain't going out every night. Yeah. Was that good delivery, Ed? Yeah, or you say, hey, baby, my name's Hammer. Can I nail you? <laughs> She'll be like, yeah. Ah, okay. What about uh, you must uh, you must wash your pants with Windex because I can see myself in them. Yeah, probably that'd be a good one. Yeah, you can use that one for your app too mm-hmm. if you want. Yeah. Yep. So what uh, about what about this crazy NCAA tournament, Ed? What the hell is going on? What happens to all the good teams? Well, those teams are still good. Any listen, anything can happen. You know, one. And done scenario. You guys should know that, man. It's called a tournament. It's not called to get the real champion of the world. That's just what happens. Why are you thinking boxing? They don't fight one round. They fight 12 rounds. It's don't. Everything's not just one and done. Like the Super Bowl. That's a farce. Got everybody all hyped up. Because playoffs in NFL is silly. NBA's the only one get it right. But that's how it goes. Mm. What about uh, the NHL? They they have uh, similar. St- and what about baseball? Well, baseball gets it right too. Yeah, yeah. Baseball and baseball and, and, and NBA they get it because usually the best team wins. You know. Uh huh. Well, baseball. The only thing kind of tricky about that is they only have the uh, they only have the five game first round. What do you think about that? Would you rather see the first round be a seven game series? Yeah, I I think it should be a seven game series. And what I think is that. They should have, see, baseball home field advantage ain't that really big of a deal, kind of. Mm-hmm. So you've got to make it more of a big deal, and you've got to say the, the home team just plays all seven games at their home, the team that's with the better record. Mm. Okay. Or go five and two. Five at the home at the best team and two at the other one. Hmm. Okay. You know? Well, yeah, I understand. Now, what would you do? To make the NCAA basketball tournament, how would you do it? How would you you say they have the wrong system, and you say the NFL has the wrong system? How would you change it to make sure we get the best champion every year? I wouldn't change it. You, you can't change it for college basketball. No, you don't want to change it because you want to have everybody in college sports. You want everybody to feel like they have a chance to win. Mm-hmm. And college basketball is the only sport that really lets you do that. Now in college football. If they wanted to and, and, and get a playoff system, what they would get and make it to where you'd find a champion and get other bad teams to get a chance to play, is you could say like Auburn would have to go to the number 16 seed home to play. Like say Auburn goes to Illinois in the first round. Mm-hmm. Now that would be tough. 
I would make it tougher because home field advantage in college football is the most most home field advantage in any sport. Yeah, or just you know, or, or you could play like see football. Even football, you could do sixty-four teams in college football, and we'd still be done in January because there's four weeks that college football don't even play because supposedly these kids got exams. It really don't matter. Yeah, that's a, that's a big farce. And only a few teams, only a few teams would still be playing by that point anyway. So I mean, all that stuff's silly. But those guys got the got their hands in their pockets. But basketball, I think basketball needs to go to 128 teams. Add one more week, mm. just for the excitement. Okay. Well, they were talking about moving it up to 90 something, right? You would like that? Well, they get the first. They give the best 32 teams a bye. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's not going to really make a difference if you add 128 or 96. Not really going to make a difference. Only, you know, I don't think any, I don't think ever a, a seed higher than six or seven has ever won the tournament. Yeah, wasn't wasn't it? Might have been the highest. NC State maybe the highest when they won with uh, Valvano. They might have been a six or a seven. Yeah, they might have been a six or a seven. So. And Kansas won with uh, Danny Manning. They were a pretty high seed, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, all these other teams, they're just there for the glory. They're, they're there for just going and, and checking it out and all that stuff like that. So, you know, that's what happens. Well, let's talk a little bit about your, your, own, your own thing and your own, your own website. Now, one of my favorite features on your website is the good and the bad side. And you haven't updated yeah. that in quite a long time. So why don't we... Oh, I forget about it. I forget about it all the time. Yeah, well, why don't we do it right now? Why don't you tell me, if you were going to put one up right now, who would be your top five on the bad side and why? Top five on the bad side? Yeah. Uh, number five would be the NCAA, man. Okay, why them? Well, because they do fake stuff like, oh, the Ohio State kids, oh, give them five games and all this stuff like that. You know, for nothing. These kids need to have some money. These athletic kids don't have no cash. Especially the, the white ones got money because white people got cash. Mm. Black people don't when they're that age. Most black people don't got no money if they're at the 21. Mm-hmm. You know, but white kids, their mommy and daddy got all kinds of money. So, you know, they do that. So, okay. They just they just scrap it, man. All right, number four. Eh, black staplers, man. I, every time I get a black stapler, mm-hmm. that thing will not. I got a gray one and a red one and a blue one. The black one don't never ever ever seem to staple right, man. When I'm trying to staple my important papers, man, the thing doesn't even even do right. Oh, that's terrible. What do you need so many staplers for? I got paperwork, man. I got to do paperwork. Oh, okay. All right, number three? Number three would be that car called Kia. Mm Mm-hmm. Is that around still? Do they still make those? Well, yeah, the NBA kid jumped over it for that thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Blake Griffin. I'm like, like, they should... The NBA should be the same as us for having that car... As the sponsor of the NBA. Do you know that not one NBA player drives a Kia? Yeah, I can believe that. They all drive yeah. Range Rovers and Mercedes. Yeah, so yeah. why would that be the official sponsor? So Kia's stupid because they're targeting the wrong market. Kia should be sponsoring shows like Gary Springer. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, number two. Well, number two would be the NFL players. Okay. Yeah, they are. Listen, you you don't go and tell your boss how much money, like you sportscasters. Now, when you go to, man, when you work at your job at McDonald's on your regular day job, (laughs) you guys have a good Saturday and you sell 500 fries, you turn to Ronald McDonald and say, hey, Ron, give me my cut. No, he says, look, Steve, sportscaster, your ass going to get that six bucks an hour that I told you you were going to get. And that's all you're going to get. You're not going to get no more. You're not going to get no more or no less. That's mm-hmm. it. And, uh, and like when you have McDonald's on a Sunday afternoon or Sunday night about 11 o'clock when it's about to close and there's no one in there and you're sitting around for an hour, you're not going to get that money back, are you? No, absolutely not. Well, take that six bucks. These NFL players think, oh, man, I ran 4,000 yards. I'm going to get a raise. But what happened when you ran for 122 yards last year? He was hurt. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. All right, number one. The number one on the bad side. Uh, the Dave, man, the Dave Damashek. That <laughs> idiot. That guy is such a goddamn bum, man. Still hasn't called me. He gets fired from show after show and show after show and show after show and show after show. He's like the Ted McGinley of radio. (laughs) Ted McGinley? You know, Ted McGinley used to be on, like, Married with Children and Happy Days. Every time you want to show the bomb, you hire Ted McGinley from the 80s and and the 70s. Right. And the 90s, too. Hmm. Every time, man, he's a good-looking fella, but he just sinks a show. Mm. So the man, Dave, I got to put, put a coat on. Man, it's cold in my house. Jesus Christ. <laughs> man, man, I, I got to find my winter coat on, man. I got to go in my closet and put a coat on, man. All right, well, how about the good side, Diad? Number five on the good side. Well, number five on the good side would be the baby. Okay. You know, I, you know, I got a baby, don't you? Oh yeah, absolutely. He he fights, right? Well, he's retired from baby fighting, oh, man. He's I, I'm kind of done with the baby fights because we kind of got in a little bit of trouble. Mm-hmm. But the baby's in kindergarten, man, and he is doing very good, man. I, I'm very shocked. Mm-hmm. He's doing good, but you know, I, I really want to get rid of him. I'm tired of him. <laughs> he, he, it's just too much, man. I've had him for what three, four, five years now. I got him when he was just in a little bucket. And the mama says, can you watch the baby? And I did, and it's probably a big mistake, man. He pees all on Like I'm in the bathroom now looking at him. He done peed on the floor. And I got to wipe this up. I ain't wiping it. That lady who cooks my food, she better be cleaning this bathroom. Oh, she went out to the grocery store. She ain't even here. I come home, she not even home. Oh, my goodness. So he's number five. On your, he's five on your good side, but you want to get rid of him? Yeah, I love him. Oh, okay. All right, number four on the good side. Uh, number four on the good side would be Nike tennis shoes. Man, they're starting to make some good ones again. Uh-huh. I've been finding these tennis shoes that I got. I can't wear, like, basketball shoes no more. Man, I got to wear the lightest shoes that they make. And I found these shoes, they're like, say, 7.0 on them or 6.0 or something like that on them. These shoes are so light. It's like wearing diet shoes, these things, you know? Mm. They, don't even, they don't even put a lot of weight on you, man. Even when you get on the scales with them on, 
That's the way 192 pounds, man. These, these cookies weigh. I ate all them Oreos a couple years back. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that was a big project. Weight, all right. Yeah, so Number three on the good figure. side. Man, I got these new flavored toothpicks that I just got. Man, these things are great. Uh-huh. What yeah. do they taste like? What are they flavored as? This one's pick, dill pickle flavor that I just got. These are really good, man. It, it, it's a toothpick that makes you think you're eating a dill pickle. Mm. That is good. I, yeah, I really like them. You know who I would like that is Snooky from the Jersey Shore. She loves pickles. Are you a big Jersey Shore fan? I don't watch that. No, you don't watch that. All right, number two on the good list. Well, that's funny because you talk about TV shows. One of my favorite TV shows is Operation Repo. Mm. You ever watch that? No, I've never seen that one. What channel is that on? Man, it's on True TV, man. Okay. These people go around repoing the cars, man, with their tow truck. And they got a big fat lady on there that she be talking trash to all these people <laughs> do all this stuff, man. And oh, yeah. That's, that's probably... Yeah, that's probably one of my favorite shows on television right now. Do you watch Hardcore Pawn on the True TV? Huh? Hardcore Pawn? It's about a pawn oh, store? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a I good one, too. I watch Hardcore Pawn. I watch Parking Wars. I watch Pawn Stars. I watch American Pickers. I watch Larry Cable Guy. got a show where he goes around in different places and does stuff on different jobs and Man, I'm on all over the TV, man. Now, I mean, it's, like I'm on, it's like I'm on it. You mentioned Pawn Stars. You live very close to the pawn shop featured. Have mm-hmm. you ever been down there? Yeah, I know all them fellas, man. Yeah, you met Chumley and... Yeah. Yeah? I knew them fellas. Listen, they've been around since 1980s, man. I knew the old man for a long time. Uh, did you ever pawn anything over there? Well, yeah. Yeah. I pawned, I pawned the VCR one time. This is a long time ago where I had no money. Uh-huh. I took my VCR over there to get $30, and I got that. It took me like six weeks to get that damn thing out. It cost me 89 bucks with all the taxes and fees and junk. Ah. Uh, yeah, that was, a, uh, that was a disaster, man. Okay, so what, no. are we, what are we up to now? Number one on the good side, right? Yep, number one is baseball. It's time for baseball season. Absolutely. And you got to get your... Get your bets in. You know, I hate fantasy baseball, though, man. That's the worst thing that's happened to sports in so long. Uh Uh-huh. Do you play it, though? Yeah, I'm in a couple leagues, but it's stupid, man. I don't like it. Well, I don't like like fantasy sports no more anyway because it messes up my betting patterns. Uh Uh-huh. And I can't take fantasy sports serious no more. Right. I I just can't root for a guy that's not on my team. Uh Uh-huh. I don't like that, and I don't. I don't want to have a guy like because I'm Cincinnati Red. That's my team. Okay. Now, I don't want to say I got uh, John Smoltz pitching for the Braves against the Reds, and he's on my fantasy team, and I'm rooting for him to win. No, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sucks. I don't want, I don't want Nolan Ryan throwing no shutout against the Reds. Mm-mm. No. Yeah, uh, that's I don't worst. want Thurman Munson hitting no home run. Do you have Eric Davis on your yeah. team? Huh? Eric Davis. What about him? Is he on your team? No, no, I don't got him this year. No, you don't got him this year. Hey, you know, you know what's better than fantasy sports is the Ad Super Deluxe games. And you got a really cool baseball game starting up tomorrow. And actually, you're my first opponent. 
we're going to be playing against each other starting tomorrow. Oh, yeah, I'll whoop, I'll whoop you. It ain't no problem. You think you're going to whoop me? Yeah. No way. Did you see my... Yeah. You see the squad I picked? I don't care what you did, man. It doesn't matter. You can pick your nose for all I care. You're going to lose. Uh-uh. I'm going to yeah. do the whooping, man. No, and then, then now these knuckleheads got me on this goddamn Xbox Live, man, wanting to play me. People are lining up to play me on these goddamn games, man. I don't want to do it. What, what, game, do you play? what game do you play? Yeah. I played Madden football yesterday. Mm-hmm. Did you win? Nah, a kid beat me 38-10 to 10 in the third quarter. I quit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I was up. I was up seven to nothing, and I tried to call the game then. And he said, "No, keep playing, Ed. Keep playing." And I had never played. It was my first time, my second play ever. I threw a pass, Michael Victor, Deshaun Jackson. Nice. He wouldn't even let the kid wouldn't let me play the Colts. I said, "I'm gonna take the Colts." He goes, "No, no, no, you can't play the Colts." I'm like, All right, well. So who was he? Yeah, I got. Huh? What team was he? He was Packers. Packers, and he wouldn't let you be the Colts. He was the world champions, no. but you couldn't be the Colts. Uh-huh. Oh, that's, no. that's bullshit. Yeah, and then, then we had the headphones on, and we were jabbering back and forth, talking. I could hear him. He could hear me. Uh-huh. What's your name? Yeah, What's your? How do we play you? What's your Xbox Live name? No, no, I'm not telling nobody that shit, man. All oh, the stuff, man. I put it on there yesterday. I had to take it off Facebook. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Everybody yeah. started, oh, friend request, friend request, friend request. I'm like, eh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't because. I had the neighbor kids had to help me, and they put their password in there for me and all that because I don't know how to do it. I had neighbor kids. See, the neighbor kids be coming over just hanging out and stuff because I got a bunch of arcade games, and we got all kind of junk, man, at our house. People just be walking through the front door. I forget to lock it. (laughs) Hey, Ed, I forgot forgot you have a really crazy story about a bet that you placed on the University of Pittsburgh. Why don't you tell us that story about what happened in the casino? I thought I told you that story. Yeah, that was yesterday, though. Why don't you tell me again today? Oh, well, now I'll tell you what happened. We was at Tuscany Hotel. Cal Neva Properties has different hotels, but Tuscany was at this particular, particular hotel. These knuckleheads put a, put a, a sheet out with, like, different proposition bets. Mm-hmm. This is bets they don't think is going to happen, but they give you great odds on them. Okay. These knuckleheads had like Pittsburgh to lose in the first round of the tournament, forty to one. Pittsburgh to lose in the second round of the tournament, twenty to one. Third round was like five to one, fourth round, whatever and stuff. So we bet I bet a thousand dollars on Pittsburgh to lose in round two. Mm-hmm. Now Honky White Sucker Brother put five thousand dollars on Pittsburgh to lose in round two. So round two game was the Butler game, and we squeezed, we squeezed by on them crazy fouls at the end. Right. And Jesus Christ, we won. Uh-huh. So we go to cash our tickets. They don't want to cash our tickets at first because they trying to say, oh, man, the fir- that was the third round because the first round was the first four playing in games. We're like, oh, hell no, man. You can't say that. Pittsburgh didn't even play in that round. How are you going to take a bet on something that Pittsburgh didn't even play in? Right. I said, we're going to go to the gaming commission for this shit. Well, the guy, the guy buckled down, give us our money, give me 20000 give my friend a hundred grand. Mm. So we got our money, and, and, and we did. But they banned us from the hotel. He said, I'll pay you, but you guys just can't bet here no more. Oh, that's, that's, that's crap. 
Yeah, but hotels got there discriminate. They can, they can say whatever they want. Just like no shoes, no shirt, no service. That's what they say. What do they but say? I had my shoes and my shirt on. What do they say when you bring your magic dice into the casino? I never talked. I never took them to the casino. Oh, okay. You keep your magic dice at home. Yeah. Oh, all right. One yeah. last one. Another thing. How, what about the Ad Times? How do you subscribe to the Ad Times? Is it just on your website? Why don't you talk a little bit about your website? Well, the Ed Times, that's going to be a new app, too, that I'm going to have the Ed Times that you can subscribe to the Ed Times when I do my new app. Oh, I got a bunch awesome. of apps I'm going to do. Some apps are going to be free, but some are going to cost like 25 cents. Oh, okay. I think the minimum is 99 cents, but... Oh, well, then, then they'll probably be 99 cents then. Right. But I think some people will probably buy them. Okay. But, like, like Ed Times, when I do that, Ed Times is going to start coming out three times a week. But it's going to be the 99 cents, but you get three Ed Times a week for, you know, a year. Oh, if you get three a week, then I'll... 99 cents. Yeah, I'd That ain't up. a bad deal, huh? No, that's awesome. Is it going to be just an iPhone app, or are you going to have it for Android, or just Android, or <laughs> what... Where's it going to be? Oh, I don't know. I don't know how to do that. Oh, okay. I just know the guys, Zippy and whoever is making them. Zippy? They're awesome. number one nines, people, man. Number one nine be hooking this junk up. I don't know that stuff. Oh, okay. All I right. don't know. But then I got my my uh, my apps about the uh, you know the pickup lines. I'm going to do an Ed Times app. And then also, the Magic Dice app is going to be coming out. Awesome. How How's that going to work? What's going to happen is it's going to have on this app, number one, I said this app probably going to have to cost more than 99 cents, but you can access any NFL team from 1970 on up to now, and you can play them with the Magic Dice against any team, NBA as well, all in college basketball, college football, whatever. Plus, we will also have an app at certain times that you can do certain games that are going to get ready to be played. And you can see what I say is going to happen, just like AccuScore be doing, like predicting scores and predicting games. Right. But he ain't better, he ain't better than me. No, who, yeah, I was going to ask you, who's better, AccuScore or you? And you would say you, huh? Yeah, we did a, me and him did it. Me and him, well, me and him, we, we, we had a contest, and I was blowing him out. But I kept like four, I, I, I did 400 games about with his, well, than what I picked. And I was up by like 30 or 40 games over him. He was there. He was under 500. Hmm. Yeah, and I was at like 60%, 62%. He was like 40-some percent. He wasn't there yet. He knows. He knows, but he won't say it. What's this news I read on the Ad Times that the Houston Afros offered you a deal to play on their traveling softball team? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I don't feel like going down to Houston to play, man. No. It's for a tournament. It's for a tournament. The Astros, they're, they're a good team, man. Hmm. Yep. So, now, is stuff this, like that. In, the, in this week's episode of the Odd Times, is that you holding the ticket, the winning ticket, or is that someone different? Can't tell you. Can't tell me, huh? It's secretive if that's you or not, huh? If it's a good-looking fella, it's me. Yeah, it's very good looking. I never. What happened? So, what about football men? Have you gotten a good football man lately? Yeah, I got Ricky Henderson the other day and Carlton Fisk. Well, wouldn't um, that be baseball men? Yes. Hmm. Okay. Yep, that's what they got now. That's what they make it now. So, those were the ones I got. 
All right. Then listen to this. I'm going to tell you something. Okay. What I can do is I figured out how to do this now. Is if you want to have a football man or baseball man made, like say you want one of one of the sports casters. Right. I can take that figure and you send me a picture of yourself. I will make it look just like you. Wow. That's legit. Make it up and whatever team you want and everything. I made a Dave Damashek one. Awesome. Pirate. Yeah. Did you put it on the Ed Times, a picture of it? No, I didn't do it. Oh, I no. wasn't going to give it to him, but he never called. All right. All right. Well, how about one last thing? Do you think you could? Uh, I know that you're really good. You're a really good singer. I've heard your songs before. They're fantastic. You've sung about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You've done some work with the one-man house band Dick Banks. And at the Sportscasters, we'd be honored if you would sing a song about the Sportscasters. Yeah, I don't know if I can remember a song for Sportscasters. I don't know. Um, just just freestyle. if I can sing a song. Yeah. Uh, I turned on my radio, listened to a show called the Sportcaster. They was ready to go. They said they talk about sports and the things. They don't got no diamond rings, but the sportscasters can do it all. They play baseball and basketball. They can be on the radio, and they can get lots of money and spend it on a home. <laughs> All right. Thank nice. you, Ed. Nice. Good job. All right. Well, you can find the ad on his website, the ad. The Ed Super Deluxe website dot com. You can also sign up for his games on the Dave Damashek message board at Damashek dot com and Super Deluxe Games. Make sure you yeah. check the iPhone music uh, app store for the Ed apps that are going to be coming out. And uh, don't forget to listen to the Ed's radio show on Blog Talk Radio every Thursday at ten thirty. Anything else you need to plug, Ed? No, I gotta finish cutting my toenails, man. <laughs> I got. I got this one toenail, man, always on my left toe, left left little bitty toe, man, that nail. Sometimes I rip that goddamn thing off and it turns all black. Hmm. Ah. <laughs> ah. All right, yeah, have a good <laughs> night. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for filling in for Zach, all right? All right, man, saying I'm filling in. He's a bum. He can't even wear my shoes, man. <laughs> I wear a size 11 shoe. He wear a pair like an 8. <laughs> all right, buddy, we'll talk to you soon. That was the ad. Thank you, Ed. Thanks, Ed. Okay, well, we're going to – we got to thank the ad for filling in for Zach, even though he doesn't like that. But uh, Zach will be back next week to update the bet. We had a little bit of technical difficulties uh, last night, but we're going to thank the ad for filling in, and Zach will be back. We're going to talk a little bit of hockey next week with Zach and also talk about this bet that we made that ended up in a 44-44 to tie and figure out what's going to go on with that. But we'll be right back in a second. Thank you. All right, we are back with a very important book club update. The book club, I, I like it. I have a lot of fun reading the books. I've had a lot of fun this month reading the Best American Sports Writing Series edited by Glenn Stout. Glenn's going to join us next week and kind of finish out this month look at all of the different issues. And also Jeff Duncan, who had one of his articles from the New, York, New Orleans Times-Picayune 
published in the 2006 book, will also join us to talk about his best American sports writing experience. And also on the Yankees podcast today, which you, you can listen to when you're done listening to this one, Alex Belth talks about how one of his friends, Todd Drew, who actually passed away, had one of his essays, a blog, one of the three blogs that have appeared in the Best American Sports Writing series. Uh, this week, I've been looking at the 1998 edition of the book, and I've enjoyed it. Uh, I found a few articles that I've especially enjoyed. Uh, one of those articles is On Planet Venus by Linda Robertson. It's from Tropic, and it's on page 77 in the book, the 1998 book. And it is about the, the Venus and... Venus Williams, basically. Oh, right. And uh, her dad and her sister and that dynamic there. And I didn't know a lot about Venus and Serena Williams. I've never really been big fans of them, but it's very interesting. They were uh, 16 and 15 at the time of this article. So a very interesting look into the lives of the Williams sisters. Yeah, like you discussed with Alex, it's interesting that something like, I don't follow tennis at all. I mean, yeah, I shouldn't me say neither. especially women's yeah. tennis, but including women's tennis. So it's interesting that you could find an article like that entertaining, even though you're not interested in this subject matter necessarily. And that's the great thing about the Best American Sports Writing Series is that the writing is so good consistently through the books that even though every piece has a, something about running or something about cycling, you can read some stuff like that and really find enjoyment. I know Deegan who is a friend of the podcast, he mentioned that he read a long piece about a biker and uh, really enjoyed it. So this is the last week, kind of one last week, to look through the various editions. I attempted to give away on Twitter, and it didn't happen, uh, a copy of the Best American Sports Writing of the Century. I still have it, and I'd still like to give it away. So if anyone, the first person that emails me this week at thesportscasters at gmail.com and tells me what my third thing was from today's podcast, <laughs> I will mail you a copy of the best American sports writing of the century, also edited by Glenn Stout. It's a very big, long, thick collection of incredible writing from the 20th century. Yeah, while you're at it, send us a question for Glenn if you have something. Yeah, Glenn will be on next week. Now, next month, I'm ready to announce the book that I've selected for next Month's book club. A bit of a homer pick, but not. <laughs> it's called From Bags to Riches, How the New Orleans Saints and the People of Their Hometown Rose from the Depths Together. It's by Jeff Duncan, a sports writer from the Times-Picayune. There's an introduction by Deuce McAllister. I mentioned that Jeff is going to join us next week. He's also going to join us on April 3rd, which will be the last day to read From Bags to Riches. He has mailed me a few copies of Bags to Riches to give away. So we will talk about how we give them away next week when Jeff is on the show. But if the, in the meantime, if you're really interested and would like to read the book, it's, it's really it's a fantastic story about Katrina, how Katrina devastated New Orleans, and how kind of the team and the city picked up together and rebuilt and became champions together. Um, it's, a, it's a great read. I'm about halfway through it. I'm really enjoying it. And uh, I think it's going to be a good hit for the book club. So that's what we're going to do next month. But one more week to read sport, best American sports writing stuff. And uh, we will be right back with Sweeney Murdy from WFAN.
All right. Our next guest is a resident of Middletown, Pennsylvania, and a graduate of Penn State University. As a college student, he worked as an intern at WFAN in New York. Shortly after graduating, WFAN hired him as a producer. After a one-year stint at WIP in Philadelphia, he returned to WFAN to become a 2020 sports anchor. In 2001, he became the fans' Yankees beat reporter. He has covered two different Olympics for Westwood One, appeared on the Yes Network and WCBS-TV Channel 2 in New York. A warm sportscaster's welcome to Sweeney Murdy. How are you doing tonight, Sweeney? I'm doing great. Thanks for, uh, boy, uh, you know everything about me now, don't you? Yeah, we, uh, we always research and uh, make sure we give our guests a nice warm welcome. We like them to feel comfortable on the sportscasters. We want to make you sound as great as you are. So uh, why, don't we, <laughs> why don't we get right into the Yankees? And, um, you know, I wonder, the first question that comes to my mind when I look over the Yankees roster is do they have enough in the back end of their pitching rotation to compete in the AL East? Well, I guess that's what we're going to find out. You know, I mean, uh, they've, they've obviously spent the whole spring trying to find out what's going to be at the back end there, and they've settled on Von Nova in the fourth spot, Freddie Garcia in the five spot. Um, you know, listen, if these guys play out the way that the, the Yankees hope, well, yeah, it, it might be enough. I mean, there's still some questions around the Red Sox, too. Um, you know, John Lackey didn't have a great first year in Boston. Um, there's uh, there's obviously some question marks about Josh Beckett at this stage, uh, Jonathan Pepplebon. So um, I, I think the Yankees can, you know, can definitely compete in the AL East. Uh, and I don't think any of us expect that, you know, Nova and Garcia at the back on opening day means that's exactly the way it's going to finish out uh, when the season ends or, or, or you know, toward, toward the end. So I think you got to just remember that this is the start of a long season and you kind of, you know, move, uh, you know move, as it, move as the season moves, kind of, so to speak. And you mentioned that the Red Sox have some question marks with uh, Papelbon. Certainly the Yankees have no question marks with Rivera, and it seems like the strength of this year's team could be the bullpen with the addition of Soriano, and it seems like a very deep bullpen. Would you consider it to be the strength of the team? Um, it's a strength, but I mean, listen, anything that Mariano Rivera is a part of, I'm going to tell you is the strength of the team, I guess. So, yeah, in that regard, that's, uh, uh, that would be accurate. But, you know, the, it, it, it's just one area where you know, the Yankees can, can hope that if they can get some of their weaker links in the starting rotation, you know, towards the uh, fifth, sixth inning with a lead, I think that they'll just feel a little bit more confident about what they can do to lock it down. You know, that doesn't mean they're not going to blow games uh, sometimes, and they might go through bad stretches as a whole. Sometimes that happens too, where you've got three or four relievers all slumping at the same time. It makes the last, you know, eight or nine outs of the game uh, very hard to get, but. You know, it's it's definitely something as you as you look uh, towards the start of the season, you say this is an area where the Yankees don't really seem to have a lot to worry about. Now, whenever you talk about the Yankees bullpen, you have to talk a little bit about Jobber Chamberlain. Can he ever get back to being what we thought he might be before the Bugs kind of attacked him in Cleveland? Uh, or what is the team expecting to get from Jobber this year? 
not the eighth inning role, but it's a role where they say you have to get some outs. I mean, he's been throwing the ball pretty well. Throwing the ball in the mid-90s consistently all spring. So, you know, this is as close to that as we've seen. You know, I, uh, I just don't love that we're always comparing him to that short stint. I mean, it was less than two months. It was seven weeks in the major leagues, very carefully regulated as to how often he could pitch and how much he could pitch. Uh, and most of these guys have never seen him before. I mean, he didn't face the same team uh, twice, I think, except for like two different teams. Uh, it's it, it's really hard to judge that and say, okay, he has to be that all the time. You know, that's really kind of an impossible standard, I think. Um, and you know, he's had problems since then. He became a being kind of a rock star in New York, and uh, I think that may have had something to do with it. Uh, maybe he was affected by. Okay, bullpen, starter, starter, bullpen, whatever. But, you know, in the end, his main job has always been to get guys out. Uh, when he's been called on, and he's done that to varying degrees of success uh, over the last few years, uh, I think at least going into the season, he feels better than he has any time in the last three years. We often hear about guys who, quote-unquote, just can't play in New York. Do you think that Jabba Chamberlain will ultimately be uh, kind of a case of a player who just couldn't handle the the pressure in New York, and will someday go on to pitch somewhere else to greater success? No, I don't think so. I, I think that you know we're, we're judging him, as I said, against an impossibly high standard, so we sometimes will fail to see how good he has been. Um, you know, you look at his first four months as a starter in the 2009 season, uh, before he kind of pretty much just tired out at the end of a long season, uh, he actually did pretty well, considering... You know, it was his first real uh, uh, season as a starter. Um, you look at the different stints he's had. You know, how many relievers do you know that have a 0.6 ERA the entire career? Very None. few, yeah. That's what Java had for seven weeks in, in 2007. Everybody expects him to just do it all the time. It, it was never going to be that perfect, and I think we all need to realize that. The Yankees pitching staff is. Uh, probably been used to the last few years having uh, not the best catcher behind the plate in in uh, Jorge Posada. How do you think Russell Martin is going to help or hurt the pitching staff this year? Um, I don't know if I've ever thought of him as hurting the pitching staff. Uh, it's um, Listen, he's kind of a curious addition because... Uh, uh, first of all, the Yankees probably never thought he was going to be available. And the Dodgers not tendered him. All of a sudden, they said, "You know, we could probably use him." Um, I'm, you know, I'm not convinced he's, he, he can be back to being the offensive force that he was uh, his first few years in LA. Uh, and this is a you know tougher league to, to hit in. So uh, I think that you know it's um, you know I, I think it's going to be uh, kind of a challenge for him uh, to get back to that form. Uh, he seems to be, you know, working well with the pitchers right now. And, uh, you know, so far everything's good. But I, I think you kind of wait to see how he gets through you know, his first few turns of all these pitchers because, remember, they're all new to him right now. Yep. Uh, the sportscasters are here. We're talking to Sweetie Marini from WFAN. You can follow him on Twitter. He is at YankeesWFAN. Let's talk a little bit about the hitting side of the team. George already mentioned last week that the team might experiment with two different lineups, one with uh, Jeter leading off and another with Gardner leading off. How do you see that playing out as the season goes on? Well, uh, it's, it's not 
ideal necessarily to, to switch laps around like that. But, you know, it does make some sense. You know, you got a right hand on the mound, you want to get going to the extra bat, batting and leadoff makes some sense. Um, you know, I, I think the Jeter leading off uh, has a little bit different dynamic that you might not think of. You know, the whole idea is to, is to try and set up the lineup for your run producers who are 3, 4, and 5 to share a rod and Cano. Um, I personally think that Gardner, Jeter, and Swisher is a better lead-in to those three than Martin, Gardner, and Jeter. Uh, and that's what you'd have if you had Gardner leading off. Uh, you know, some combinations, obviously, uh, depending on who's playing that day. But uh, I would rather put three guys, you know, obviously Swisher is a big on-base guy, Gardner is too, and Jeter can get back up to that level too. I kind of like that, you know, all three of those guys batting before the three, four, and five hitters, as opposed to throwing Martin to that mix where you're making not creating as many run opportunities as you think you are. There's been a lot of talk this spring about Jeter's swing and him kind of refining it over the season and trying to correct uh, kind of a down season for him last year. Do you think we're seeing him somewhat hit the wall, or do you think he did really find something that he can correct and will he kind of be back to the 200-hit, 200-run form that we've been accustomed to throughout his career? Well, I think he has the ability to rebound here uh, this year, but I'm not sure that, you know, batting 330 and then getting 200 hits, uh, I'm not sure we're, we're coming back up to that level. Um, you're making adjustments, but you're not turning that clock, you know. Um, there's a difference, I think. So uh, he seems to be working pretty well with what he's doing right now. He's making a lot of good contact. Uh, isn't striking out a whole lot. Uh, not as many ground balls as there were. Even the human ground balls that he is hitting right now is sharper than they used to be uh, last year. So uh, I think there is room to, to jump back up from that 270 mark. Uh, but I'm not sure it's, it's, it's up to all of the 330 again. There was a lot of talk on WFAN today about the significance of 3,000 hits. And obviously, barring an injury, we expect Jeter to reach that plateau sometime around June or July. What do you think the significance of 3,000 hits, especially being the first Yankee to ever reach that mark? Well, it's, yeah, nobody, it's just strange to think that in the you know, rich history of baseball, no Yankee has ever gotten 3,000 hits. Um, so there alone, just kinda, it just kind of pops out at you. Uh, and, and makes it stand out. Um, but beyond that, I think that, uh, you know, when he passed the Yankee record in 2009, I think that really stood out to me, maybe a little bit more than this does. Because I mean, I've seen, in my lifetime, I've seen lots of guys get 3,000 hits. Right. You know? I, I, was, I, I was seven or eight years old when Pete Rose did it. It was the first guy I remember seeing. Uh, actually get uh, 3,000 hits as, as I was a baseball fan. You know, later I saw, you know, uh, Rod Carew and George Brett and Robin Yount and Biggio. Uh, Boggs and Tony Gwynn. Uh, you know, tons of guys. I've seen, I've seen plenty of people get 3,000 hits. Uh, I had never seen anybody become a Yankees all-time hit leader because Luke Eric held that record. Right. So uh, I, I think that kind of stood out more for that reason. Um, if... Listen, if you're a lifelong Yankee fan, a Derek Jeter fan, uh, it's going to be a special moment. You're always going to remember that. There's no doubt about it. And I mean, listen, I've never been to the ballpark where someone's got 3,000 hits, so that'll be different too. Uh, but just the idea of a player reaching a milestone, I see it happen, but that's why I thought the other one was a little bit more special because really nobody had seen that happen in 50 years or longer, actually. 
One last question about Jeter. Uh, one argument that Francesa had today was that the fact that he has never won an MVP award kind of hurts his greatness. But, I mean, I don't know if you can say this, but he probably would have won an MVP award if one vindictive writer in Boston didn't put him in sixth place the one season. So do you look at that as a hindrance towards his legacy, or do you think that the MVP award really doesn't mean anything to the Derek Jeter legacy? certain people where that, that award stands out, uh, I don't think it makes uh, a, diff- uh, a big difference in how you look at, at Derek Jeter, because you're going to remember the World Series rings and you know, uh, the moments. Yankee, things like that. Uh, I think the, the, the what you're referring to though, uh, I think you're referring to, to 2006 the, um, uh, when Jeter lost that award, there's it's Justin Morneau. Uh, right, Justin Morneau. I would not the thing about that uh, balloting was uh, there, there was a writer in, and I don't even call it vindictive. I mean, that's, listen, you're making a judgment on somebody without ever knowing what their reason was for voting the way they did. So when you're saying a writer from Boston is vindictive, you know, this isn't some fan sitting in the bleachers at Fenway saying, oh, I'm going to vote Derek Jeter 6 because I don't like him. This is a guy who takes his responsibility as a writer very seriously. Everybody who writes, uh, votes for the awards do take their uh, their responsibility very seriously. And it's not, it's not prejudicial in that regard. The one thing I found strange about that year's ballot, though, was a writer from Chicago right. who um, – uh, I think this is who you're talking about. There were, there were the, the five guys that, were, that he voted for ahead of Jeter. You can make a case individually that each one of those five guys deserved the MVP award above Derek Jeter. I'm not sure you can make the case that all five of them belong on the ballot ahead of Jeter, if you follow what I'm saying. Yes. Um, the uh, So, I mean, any one of those five guys, and I, I can't remember all of them off the top of my head, but any one of those five guys that year, I would have said, sure. If you want to say he's the MVP over Jeter, I, I, I wouldn't be able to argue that. If you're telling me all five of those guys had a better year or more worthy of MVP than Jeter, I just, man, now there's something wrong there. But the other side of that is I remember the same writer voted Alex Rodriguez eighth in the MVP balloting, and that was not a particularly good A-Rod year. He did have some you know power numbers that you used to seeing, but that was uh, really just kind of a, a – down here for A-Rod standards, and if you follow the Yankees that year, I think you realize there was a lot bigger gap between Jeter's value to the Yankees and A-Rod's value to the Yankees that season than just those two places on the ballot. So that's really what stood out to me. Uh, that, but getting back to the, the bigger picture thing, uh, I don't think you, you know you're going to, you know, be if, you, if you're looking for things to to uh, to find negative about Derek Jeter and his game, if you have to point to one MVP, I really think you're starting to reach a little. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The sportscasters here have seen just a couple minutes left. Um, We mentioned that Russell Martin is a player who uh, maybe won't reach the form that he had in the past. A player who certainly won't is Andrew Jones, and I just wonder what you think he has left and what his role will be with the Yankees this year. Jones from five or six years ago. I mean, he's being asked to be a guy who plays against left-handed pitching and can be a bench player. You know, both Andrew Jones and Eric Chavez give the Yankees a bench that they really haven't had in a long time. Uh, it's veteran guys who have been everyday players at the star level, and now if 
if somebody needs a break for two, three, or four days, you know you've got somebody who can handle it. Uh, that wasn't the case for the last several years. You, know, you had guys who were maybe just fringe guys from AAA who were holding out places on the bench, uh, and and you you know you weren't sure that if somebody needed to sit for three or four days that you were going to get the type of production you needed. I think that's you know that's something that they've addressed with these two additions, Andrew Jones and Eric Chavez. Um, you know, uh, Jones has power, uh, might not hit for his high average, which has been a little difficult to maintain, uh, being a best player the last few years, although he's still been able to, to hit some home runs. He's hit 19 and 17 home runs each of the last two years. Chavez has been hurt by injuries the last few years, but well, he's coming to the Yankees in a role where he's not trying to play every day. He only, has, he, he only wants to play a couple of days a week, which is why you take a job where you're backing up Alex Rodriguez and Mark Teixeira. Right. You, know, you don't need to play very often when you're, when you're uh, backing up those two guys. Uh, and he's a lefty bat off the bench late in the game if they need it. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, uh, I think both of those two guys, you know, I can't sit and tell you what number of expectations you put on because you can't project them for 500 at bats. They're not getting that. But you know, both these guys are both very valuable this year because of, uh, of who they are and the experience they have and the role they're being asked to play. Okay, last uh, last thing here with Sweeney Murdy from WFAN. Again, you can follow him on Twitter uh, at Yankees WFAN. Just a few over unders. Just curious, what your opinion is? Uh, Ninety one and a half wins for the Yankees this year. Over or under? Uh, well, I don't know. It really depends on how the rest of the division plays out. Um, I think the Yankees are a playoff team. Put it that way. Okay. Um, Okay, what about you say how the rest of the division plays out? That plays right into these next two. Over under wins against Boston, eight and a half. Um I don't understand. You mean like in the eighteen games they play against yeah. the Red Sox? Yep. Uh, look, uh, you know, I have no idea. I mean listen, that that that, that series doesn't that series is kind of uh, unpredictable as they go, you know, so uh, I can't say anything. I'll be the Red Sox this many times, that many times. It's easier to watch it than predict it. <laughs> That's for sure. All right. Um, we did a before in the show. We talked a little bit about Yankees books. Do you have a favorite favorite book about the Yankees? Favorite book about the Yankees? Uh, boy, um, I don't know that I have a favorite book specifically about the Yankees. Um, Favorite baseball book, then? From what? Favorite baseball book, then? You know, uh, there's several of them, but the one I was just about to tell you was that it wasn't written about the Yankees, per se, but because he played for the Yankees for several years, there's a lot of Yankee references in there. You know, Fall 4 is still a classic. You know, Jim Bouton wrote about the 1969 uh, or 70 pilots, yeah, pilots, and it was... Uh, uh, it was a look back at that, but it was a look at also his uh, 69, 69 Seattle Pilots. But it was a look at his career, which spent many years at the Yankees. So there are a lot of bad jokes about the Yankees in there. That's, there's a lot, a lot of fun stuff in there. Sparky Lyle's Bronx Zoo is one that, uh, you know, yep. gives you a good picture of what uh, life was like around the Yankees in that period of time. Uh, Buster only wrote a terrific book called The Last Man of the Yankee Dynasty which takes you pretty much uh, inside of Game 7 against the Diamondbacks in 2001 and builds the story of that whole Yankee era through that one game. 
so yeah, there's a there's a number of others. Uh, probably been, uh, probably uh, leaving out. Uh, uh, it's uh, there, there's always fascinating subjects to write about there. No, no doubt about it. <laughs> All right, Sweeney Murdy, thank you so much for appearing on the Sportscasters. Have a good se- uh, season cover in uh, the Yankees, and hopefully we'll get in touch with you another time soon. I always have a good season. I can't speak for the team, but I think I always have a good year, and uh, look forward to challenging you. Okay, thank you, Sweeney. All right, that's in- it for the interview. Thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. Okay, no problem. Hi. This is Tammy, and you're listening to my boyfriend Steve on the Sportscasters. Oh yeah, Don, I hope you're feeling better from your scurvy. <laughs> it's very nice. Get well wishes from yeah, Tammy. I appreciate it. She was very concerned. Okay, last segment of episode 13 of the Sportscasters. Last week we had two episodes, and that meant eight possible predictions. And... If I didn't worry about our credibility being ruined, <laughs> I might have pretended like we did not do pick four last week. Whew. We both went three and five, so the overall standings are still me plus one at 26 and 23 versus 25 and 24. We're getting closer and closer to that 500 mark. Which is hideous. Which is hideous. We're picking our games. Yes. Uh, I won last week the game of the week, UConn over San Diego State, 74-67. I won Kansas over Richmond, 77-57. to And I won the Oklahoma City Thunder over the Portland Trailblazers, 99-90. to I lost Duke over Arizona, 93-77. to And I lost Nebraska-Omaha. It's my bold prediction. Just barely, thanks to some nonsense overtime ruling, which I talked about earlier, against Michigan, 3-2 to two in overtime. I also lost the game of the week, Bruins versus Rangers, one to nothing. Ugh. I lost the Rangers against the Senators, 2-1 to one in a shootout. And my prediction of Drew Stafford getting a hat-trick against the Florida Panthers, he had two goals. He's had multi, multi-goal games five times this season. Four, Four times he's had a hat-trick. Yep. One time, two goals. That's the time I picked him. So in my losses last week, I lost an overtime college hockey game. I lost a one to nothing hockey game, a two to one shootout hockey game, and no hat trick. Goal. Two yep. goals, two a goal. Yeah, it's not bad. Don, on the other hand, won the game of the week of San Di- UConn over San Diego State. I said the score. He also won Yale over Air Force, two to one in overtime, and he won the Sabers over the Panthers, four to two. He lost Ohio State over Kentucky, sixty to sixty two. His bold prediction of Marquette over UNC did not no, work out. No. That was eighty-two to sixty-three. He picked Anthony picked for him the Bruins over er, the Bruins over the Rangers. That didn't work out. It was zero to one or one to nothing. And hating on the Heat has not worked much for us as they beat the 76ers, one eleven to ninety-nine. And another hockey bad break in overtime last night. The Red Wings did not defeat the Blackhawks. They lost three to two in overtime. So, that brings us today, and the game of the week is one of the games in the Final Four, obviously the better of the two matchups. It'll start 40 minutes after game one. It is Kentucky versus UConn on Saturday. Don? 
Well, we told uh, AccuScore Zach, not that we really convened on it, but I'm going to stick with UConn. We'll go with the uh, experience, I guess. Absolutely. I love UConn. I, I just I want to go with the best player anytime I'm picking a basketball game. And Kemba Walker is the best player in the nation. He's proved it time and time again since the start of the Big East tournament. So I will also pick UConn to defeat Kentucky in game one or game two of the final four. My host choice. Uh, I've been terrible at hockey. The, maybe the sport that is my favorite. And we were talking earlier off the air about how hard it is to predict, and I can't imagine how anybody would ever actually bet on it. I'm going to go again with the NHL and NBC. That's Sunday at 1230, I believe. I'm going to take the Blackhawks at home over the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Blackhawks are in eighth place currently, I believe, but or somewhere around there. They need the game. Tampa Bay is pretty much locked in. Blackhawks at home. You know, I'm excited just that uh, NBC is putting on the Lightning on TV. I think that's pretty cool. That's a different team for them. Yeah, they have actually three games, so I'm not sure how it works. It's maybe it's regional. Probably. The one, I mean, the other, the first game I think is uh, like Pittsburgh and the Rangers again Woo-hoo. or something like that. Yeah. All right, my host choice, a hockey game as well. Uh, there's no national coverage, which you can find on the NHL Centerized Package, and all of the audio of all the NHL games is free on NHL.com. But it's Wednesday at 7.30. The Red Wings are home against the St. Louis Blues. I think the St. Louis Blues have one foot on the golf course. Actually, I think <laughs> TJ Oshie is yeah. missing. Uh, so I will pick the Red Wings to beat the Blues on Wednesday at 7.30. My worldwide leader. We're going to go basketball for uh, no good reason. The Atlanta Hawks are at home against Boston Friday night at 8 p.m. on ESPN. I'm going to go with the Hawks, who are in a similar position as Chicago Blackhawks, in that they are trying to make the playoffs, whereas Boston seems like they're kind of just sleepwalking into the playoffs. So I'm going to go with Atlanta at home over the Celtics. All right, my worldwide leader pick. The first baseball game to be picked, maybe one of the sports that's most difficult to pick, But it's opening day, so I wanted to pick a game Thursday at 1 o'clock on ESPN. The Yankees play the Tigers at Yankee Stadium. And how could you pick against the mighty Yankees at home on opening day with CeCe Sabathia against the Tigers? So I'll pick the Yankees over the Tigers. My bold prediction, uh, just for fun, I will stick with VCU to win the NCAA championship. Wow, very, that's very bold. <laughs> if VCU wins the NCAA championship, it, it just sounds like a school that should be competing at the Division Three level, first of all. Right. And to think that they could win this tournament and win seven games in a row, not even six, it would be incredible. After having won basically two out of three all year. Like, I mean, fourth place in the Colonial Athletic <laughs> Conference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just that's more of a feel-good pick than anything. It's not. There's, I don't have a lot of faith in it. All right, my bold prediction on Thursday: the San Francisco Giants begin their title defense against the Dodgers. It's on TV at eight o'clock on ESPN. Great pitching matchup: Tim Lincecum versus Clayton Kershaw. They will make it's a classic opening day pitching matchup. I will boldly predict that the starting pitchers will combine for 17 strikeouts or more. Wow. All righty. That's it, huh? 
That is it. Okay, that's it for episode 13 of the Sportscasters. We'll be back next week with Jeff Duncan of the New Orleans Times Picayune and the editor of the Best American Sports Writing Series, Glenn Stout. And we'll also be back this week with a bonus baseball edition previewing the New York Yankees. And next week we'll do the same previewing the Red Sox. Find us online, www.sports-casters.com. And make sure you email us if you're interested in any of in winning the book. Real quick. It's, before it, yeah. Before you have me uh, end it. If you, even if you're not interested in baseball, uh, Alex has a lot of interesting stuff to say about the Big Lebowski. So download the podcast. Check it out for that reason alone. He's got a crazy career that started him off basically in Hollywood and ended him up where he is today. But you don't have to necessarily be the, the biggest Yankees lover in the world to find some entertainment in that podcast. So check it out. That's very true. The podcast... Uh, yes, it's a Yankees preview, but we've did a lot of Yankee previewing on this podcast with Sweeney Murdy. Sweeney kind of covered all of the 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 meat and potatoes of previewing the Yankee season. Then when we talk to Alex, it, we talk all about Alex and his career, and it just happens that he runs the Yankees uh, website. Right. But email us thesportscasters at gmail dot com. And check out our Facebook and let us know what you think of those logos. Facebook.com slash the sportscasters. Dom will cue the hip and we'll see you next week. All right.